Chapter Eighteen of the Carved Cupboard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Carved Cupboard by Amy Lefeuve. Chapter Eighteen Patty's Grave. But when they left her to herself again, death like a friend's voice from a distant field approaching through the darkness called tennyson the summer came and went very quietly gwen remained with agatha but was wholly engrossed in her writing sometimes agatha would remonstrate with her when she came to breakfast looking worn and haggard and confessing she had been writing in the study till between two and three in the morning you will wear yourself out why don't you take it more quietly there is no need for such labour you would realise the need if you were in my shoes said gwen and felt your debts hanging over your head every minute of the day i will never rest until i have repaid all that has been lost but that will be impossible and unnecessary i don't think so was the curt reply gwen was much up in town sometimes at the british museum and she worked away at mr lester's manuscripts whenever she could spare time from her usual writing one afternoon she rejoiced agatha's heart by announcing her intention of taking a walk i shall stroll over to the howitts have you any message for deb i think not i hear that patty has not been well this last week you might take her a little pudding deb was not working at the vicarage this week because of her illness gwen set out and the fresh keen autumn air refreshed and invigorated her she found the little cottage nearly hidden from view by the heavily laden apple-trees but there was a stillness about the place that was not usual the door was on the latch and when she stopped inside the kitchen it was empty however the door leading into the sister's bedroom was ajar and gwen found patty in bed and deb vainly endeavouring to make her swallow a basin of gruel it isn't gruel i'll be wantin when i know how you burns my best namel saucepan in the doing of it tis a mercy i've got the honey all in and now there'll be the apples to be gathered and preserved and who's to have the doin of it with you whose hearts and hands are only in the dressmakin and me a achin and smartin with pains from head to toe and worse to foller then i'll send away to the doctor this blessed minute and miss miller will be for sending that parish nurse she's startin' of and who's a kickin' up her heels with not to keep her out of mischief she'll be flyin' down here with the greatest joy and will handle your pots and pans as poor me isn't able and i'll be back to my dressmakin not being of no manner o use intendin a sick sister who's that particular and full of fuss deb stopped here catching sight of gwen and her face brightened as she turned to her come in my dear we're just two quarrelsome old women as you know and patty poor thing is a new hand at illness tis a bad attack of cold in the innards flannelation of the lung a neighbor thinks but she be a contrary patient and won't have no doctor gwen stepped up to the invalid and looked down with pity upon the thin gaunt frame stretched on the tiny bed patty's face was flushed her lips dry and parched and her eyes feverishly bright she seemed very talkative come in miss and welcome better in here where i can see things as what they should be than out in the kitchen which to my certain knowledge hasn't been cleaned out proper since i took to bed 
and that was a week ago yesterday. If I could get better, please, God, I never would put off the scrubbin out of the cupboards again. T'was Tuesday, the day for to do em, and I says to myself, I seem strangely tired. I'll leave it till to-morrow. And Wednesday found me in my bed, too bad to move, and the cupboards hasn't had their right chance yet, and Deb she be but a poor cleaner. I, deary me, it'll go hard with me if I'm not so much as able to wash myself, and— But there, the good Lord will take me home when it comes to that. For when my cleanin' days be over, my livin' days will be over, too. Now look here, said Gwyn authoritatively. You are talking yourself into a fever. Lie still, take your gruel, and hear me do the talking. Now, Deb, give me the stuff. It looks delicious. I'll turn nurse. There was no resisting Gwyn. Patty took it from her hands as meekly as a child, and Deb heaved a deep sigh of relief when she saw the last drop swallowed. "'Tis a great gift to be determined in your will,' she said to Gwen. "'Patty never had any who could master her. We be both so masterful that is where all our trouble cometh between us.' "'Determination, or rather self-will, has been my curse,' said Gwen with a smile and a sigh. "'Now has it now?' said Deb, leaning her bare elbows on the bed-rail, and looking at her with interest. Folk do say in the village that you met with a great deal of trouble out in them foreign parts, and some heathen rascal robbed you of all you stood up in. When you come to see us after your return, we kept quiet, not liking to ask. But Patty says to me when you'd a gone, she's been through a great deal of trouble, for there be hard lines on her face and a sad ring in her laugh, and we felt mortal sorry for you, my dear. "'Tis a good thing to have a will,' said Patty from her pillows, "'so long as it don't get above the Lord's will.' "'That it couldn't never do,' quickly returned Deb. For God Almighty can snap a body's will like dry twigs, and he be our master. Tis a blasphemous thing to try to get the better of our maker. Miss Gwen's will not be that sort. I think it has been, said Gwen, sitting down and softly stroking one of Patty's withered old hands. I thought I could manage my life, and everybody else is independent of God, and he has shown me my mistake. It has been a bitter lesson, but I hope I have learnt it. There was silence. Something in the simplicity and quaintness of this old couple always drew out Gwen's best feelings, and she spoke to them of things she would never mention to anyone else. "'We've heard say,' said Deb after a pause, "'that all you young ladies have lost your money, but that maybe is only a tale.' "'Very close to truth,' said Gwen. "'And my earnest desire is to earn as much money as possible. Can you tell me how to do it?' young ladies said about such things different to us said deb thoughtfully patty looked up quickly if so be that this is my last sickness you'll not be long after me deb i'm thinking and then what about the golden russet will miss gwen like to have the use of it gwen thought her mind was wandering until she saw how fearfully deb looked round the room as if afraid any neighbor might be within hearing Hush you now. Tis not time to be talking of our savings. Miss Gwen will take no notice of such talk. And Gwen did not, only chatted on till Patty seemed to grow more restless, and then she took her leave. When she told Agatha how she had found them, Agatha at once resolved to send the doctor. She may die. So often when once people like her give up and take to their bed, they never leave it again. The doctor went and thought very gravely of Patty's state. Agatha and Gwen were constant visitors at the cottage, 
and did much to comfort poor Deb, who, now convinced that her sister might never recover, was overwhelmed with misery. We come into the world together, and we're bound to go out together, she kept repeating. It ain't likely as how she'll leave me behind. And if a neighbor would assure her that she was well and strong, and likely to survive her sister for many years, she would only shake her head and say, "'Tis against nature, and if so be as her days are numbered, then so is mine, and I shall be taken, disease or no disease." She went about the cottage in a solemn way, turning out old hordes, writing in crabbed handwriting directions about various matters, and Gwen came upon a scrap of paper one day with the following items. "'Cost of two plain coffins, parish clerk's fee, bit of ground by the corner you, bearers for Patty, bearers for Deborah. The spaces left she evidently meant to fill up. Gwen promptly burnt the paper and took her to task about it, but nothing would comfort her or convince her that by any possibility she could outlive her sister. And then one evening, quietly and simply, like a little child, Patty passed away. Her last words were to her sister. The good Lord has got me, Deb, and he'll not let me fall. Deb sat by her bedside as one stunned. She looked up pitifully when Gwen came to her side. I'm still here, but I'm just waiting for my call. It was with difficulty that she could be induced to eat anything, and when the time came for Patty to be carried to the grave, she saw the little party of mourners set out in stony unconcern. They might have let her by till I were ready to go, too. It'll be a double expense, and I can't be here much longer. Gwen's heart went out to the desolate old woman, and she hardly let a day pass without going over to see her. About a week after, she went one afternoon, but found the house closed. The stillness and desertion of the cottage sent a thrill of fear through her, Fearing that Deb's mind had become slightly unhinged, she wondered if she had destroyed her own life. She tried the door, but it was locked, and then she noticed a piece of paper tucked into the sill. Taking it out, she read, If you be Miss Gwen, the key is under the water butt. If you be any other body, let it be. Deb. Gwen took the key up, unlocked the door, and went in. The kitchen was spotlessly clean the grate shining with black lead. On the square deal table lay a letter with her name upon it. But before reading it, Gwen hastily searched the house to make certain that it was empty, and then she perused the badly written epistle. Miss Gwen, your humble servant, Deborah Howlett, write these lines to you, hoping it may find you as it leaves her at present, knowing your kind heart, and I always did have a leaning toward you more than most, and so did Patty, for her said you were a woman of good understanding. I think it best to leave you all our savings, which you will find under our golden russet in my mother's china teapot, for Patty said the same when she were a dying, and you will use them to save you from the house if your money has gone from you. Will you be so good as to give the clothes in our chest of drawers to those that need them? We did think of turning our brown serges, and if they were ripped round the bottom and braided afresh, would be good Sunday skirts. I've been to the grave three nights running, for I heard her calling, but the good God won't take me yet. I'm going tonight, and maybe I shall not be back. Patty could not say I have not cleaned, for there is no speck of dirt to be seen. And now good-bye, and never put your will against the Almighty, for I am praying not to do it myself, 
for i am a poor old desolate woman and if he says live i will live but he seems to say to-night come and just as i am without one plea but thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me to come to thee o lamb of god i come your obedient servant deborah howlett gwen hurriedly left the cottage after reading this and went straight to the churchyard no one evidently had been near patty's grave that day for there lying in long grass with her arms crossed on the uncovered mound and her gray head bowed upon them was the cold stiff form of poor deb how many hours she had been there in the still coldness of an october's night no one could tell but the doctor put down her death to grief and exposure gwen broke the tidings to agatha with a sob in her voice i love those old women they were the only friends i had here End of chapter 18